we are officially less than one month out from the midterm elections, and ballots are coming in the mail soon. And while you may have decided who you're voting for for governor and the U.S. Senate and all the other races, there's also something else on your ballot. That's a number of initiatives that can play a big role in deciding how Arizonans want their state to run. But it can be confusing to know what it really stands for and if you want to vote yes or no. And what does yes or no even mean? Welcome to The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Republic. Today, we're joined by Republic reporters and Gaggle regulars, Mary Jo Pitzel and Ryan Randazzo. They're going to help us break down some of the most important ballot initiatives that you'll see at the polls this year, who supports it and who doesn't. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go over some of these initiatives, and we'll do it in numerical order because this is how they'll appear on your ballot as well. So, Ryan, let's start with you. Arizonans are going to see Proposition 132 on their ballot this month. This will be to limit raising taxes, but needs a supermajority of the votes in order to become law. Tell us about what this measure would even do. Okay, well, this is one of three ballot measures that would limit or restrict ballot measures, um, and they're all being supported by conservative groups this year. Prop 132 would require 60% of voters' approval to raise any taxes. Today, voters can raise taxes through a simple majority. Supporters who clearly want to put more roadblocks in front of any form of tax increase say this is more even with the state legislature, which needs 66% or two-thirds of members to approve new taxes. Okay, so where did this measure come from? What is the necessary context to understand why this is on the ballot now? Well, the groups that want to see this pass include the Arizona Free Enterprise Club, the Goldwater Institute, and Governor Ducey, who, of course, has made lowering taxes the centerpiece of his time in office. Opponents say this would mean that a minority of voters, 41%, could determine state tax revenues by blocking any new increases. There's plenty of bad blood between conservatives and progressives in Arizona in recent years and raising taxes to fund things like education that have moved from the legislature to the ballot. This measure, which was put on the ballot by the State House of Representatives, is just an extension of that. Representatives from the Arizona Center for Economic Progress, the League of Women Voters, Arizona Education Association, Children's Action Alliance, Living United for Change, and others say that this would take uh, lawmaking power away from voters, and that's why they oppose this. For voters, once they decide which way they want to vote on Prop 132, that will probably be the same way they vote on the other two ballot measures this year because they're supported by the exact same people and opposed by the exact same folks. And what are those measures numbered? Those are 128 and 129. Uh, 128, uh, briefly, would allow lawmakers to defund any ballot measure that is determined to be illegal, and 129 would require all ballot measures to be a single subject, which would make it much more expensive to pass laws because you couldn't do much with one ballot measure and you'd have to pass multiple to do things like legalize marijuana. Okay, so now let's shift to Prop 209. Uh, Mary Jo, what is this about? This measure has been called the Reduce Medical Debt Act, but it actually does uh, much more than that. On the medical debt portion of it, 
um, any medical debt would be held to only 3% interest rate, which, you know, should obviously help consumers um, if they have a big medical bill that they've got to deal with. But it goes beyond that and also protects the amount of the value in your home and your vehicle from debt collectors. Currently, $250,000 of your home value is protected from debt collectors. This would raise it up to 400000 For vehicles, the current level is $6,000. This would raise that shield up to $15,000. So help us understand the context on this measure. Where did it come from? How is it that this has fallen into voters' laps now? Um, it comes, you know, a lot of it's based on what's happened in California, and it comes from, you know, progressive backers. They cast it as a consumer protection measure because it will, you know, keep people from, you know, being impoverished uh, by by debt collectors. Okay. Any notable supporters or opponents of this measure? We have mostly a lot of progressive and anti-poverty groups that have signed up to support this measure, such as Wildfire, which currently is uh, focusing a lot of their efforts on the housing issues uh, in Arizona. It's getting support from Lucha, from, uh, as, as I said, a lot of the progressive organizational groups out there. Opposition's coming from the Goldwater Institute and the Greater Phoenix Chamber of Commerce and a coalition of debt collectors. Okay, let's shift to Prop 211. Uh, This is something you've written a lot about. Tell us what is at stake with this one. Okay, Prop 211 is called the uh, Voters' Right to Know Act, uh, probably more popularly known as Stop Dark Money. This is a measure that former Attorney General and long time ago Phoenix Mayor Terry Goddard has been pursuing for a number of years. Um, This is the fourth attempt that he's made to get this on the ballot. It succeeded this year. We'll see what voters think. The goal of Prop 211 is to provide transparency in who is giving money to independent expenditure campaigns. This means during the election cycle, you'll often see a lot of campaigns coming out saying, wonderful things about a candidate or perhaps, you know, a lot of terrible things about them. And they do not. They're they're from groups that have sort of innocuous names, Americans for, you know, a, a fair fight, you know, Americans who love, you know, blue skies. But you don't know who those people are. This measure would require disclosure of people who give a significant amount of money to these efforts. We could get into a lot of the technical details, but if, if you're given $5 to one of these campaigns, there will be no disclosure. If you're giving $5,000 or more to an expensive independent expenditure campaign, then those donors, their exact names, not their, not the whole daisy chain of another name of another you know, happy-sounding group, all of that must be disclosed. This will be overseen by the Clean Elections Commission if it becomes law. Now, you've noted that this has some history of being attempted. Anything notable about why it has moved this far this year? Um, I suppose um, that practice makes perfect. Um, <laughs> the uh, supporters of this learned a lot along the way. Um, you know, they've been challenged before. They also had difficulty getting enough signatures. Somewhat, One, of, one case was during the middle of the pandemic, which made things a little more difficult. But they feel that they've got the language down right. They've, they've narrowed it from their original ideas of almost a decade ago. So it's, it's very tailored to go after mostly anybody who's spending a significant sum of money, i.e. Uh, $5,000 or more, to contribute to a dark money campaign. 
Okay. So who is supportive of this and is every independent expenditure committee in Arizona opposed to it? <laughs> well, right now we don't know how many independent expenditure committees are even out there. Um, we haven't seen any reporting yet on that. And of course, if they're an independent expenditure committee at the moment under current law, we don't have to name their donors. But it's getting resistance from the Free Enterprise Club, who organized a lot of citizens to send in statements to the publicity pamphlet. A lot of times, voters will look at the publicity pamphlet that the Secretary of State sends to their home. And sometimes you just count up how many people are for and how many are against. And I will say on Prop 211, a lot of them are people who are being sponsored by the Free Enterprise Club. The club, along with the Center for Arizona Policy Action, argue that this is way too much disclosure. It's not needed. It's likely unconstitutional. Um, and it's a violation of First Amendment rights. If you want to, you know, stand up and say that you don't like a certain measure, and you want to do it as Americans for Blue Skies, then they argue that is a constitutional right. The support is coming from the League of Women Voters, from Corporation Commissioner Sandra Kennedy, who knows a bit about dark money because a lot of this originated with issues with the Arizona Corporation Commission in 2014. And in a bit of a surprise, there's a statement of support from former Governor Five Symington, a Republican who, by the way, um, defeated Goddard for governor years ago in a rather bitter uh, contest. These two have found common ground on the issue of campaign transparency, and Symington argues that it just makes sense that you should know who is funding messages for or against a candidate. Okay. Uh, Ryan, there is also a Prop 308 on the ballot this year. What is that about? This one is straightforward. If passed, any student who has attended school in Arizona for at least two years and graduates from high school or some equivalent of that would qualify for in-state tuition at state universities and community colleges. This one makes a huge difference in the costs for about 2,000 undocumented high school graduates in the state each year, who otherwise have to pay about double for higher education under current law. Uh, Arizonans approved that nearly 20 years ago in 2006 when they took away a number of different uh, state amenities for undocumented people. Okay, so this is a familiar issue with a uh, twist. What is the context of why we're dealing with this issue now? The Senate uh, re referred this resolution uh, to the ballot. Uh, so it, it sort of shows that times have changed since 2006, that there is frankly more sympathy for young people who are in this country without documentation who were brought here by their parents, and um, maybe more agreement, if I may, that these people deserve a chance at an education if they're going to be in our country. And I think that is expressed in the people who are supporting this measure. Okay, so let's get into that. Who is supporting it? Who's on the other side? So it has pretty widespread support, though there are people such as Russell Pierce, the former state lawmaker known best for his anti-immigration measures, uh, who voters recalled out of his East Valley district. And Pierce is one of the few people who wrote an opposition statement to this one. In a throwback to 2011, uh, Republican and SkyMall founder Bob Worsley, who defeated Pierce in a follow-up election for that district, is supporting the measure and is one of the people who wrote a support statement. But I think the more meaningful and uh, bigger names that have thrown their weight behind this would include the Phoenix Chamber of Commerce and the Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry, which are hoping to see this pass 
as well as groups that advocate uh, for causes such as Chicanos por la Causa. Okay, so let's take up one more measure. Mary Jo, there's a Prop 309. What is that about? This is all about your ballot and what kind of ID that you have to show in order to cast that ballot. It comes to us from state lawmakers, and what they are proposing is that if you're going to vote in person at the polls, you must have a current photo ID. Um, If you remember currently, right now, if you go to the polls and you don't have a, a current picture, you can provide two pieces of other identification, you know, you know your, your gas bill, your property tax bill, and that will verify your identity. This measure says, no, you must have a current photo ID, bring that to the polls so in order to vote. They also have provisions there for um, people who vote by early ballot, which is, of course, the most popular method here in Arizona. This would propose an affidavit that comes along with your early ballot on which you must write, the voter must write their date of birth, sign it, and give either their voter ID number, which would be on their voter ID card, or the last four numbers of their social security number. Put this on an affidavit, tuck it into the ballot envelope, and return that. And then election officials would use that data to verify that you really are who you say you are. So it's an extra step for people who are used to mailing in their ballots. And uh, we could talk a little bit about some of the concerns about that. Okay. Before we do, or maybe as we do, what is the context of this initiative? This sort of sounds like it's ringing some familiar bells to (laughs) us all. Where did this come from? Well, you remember 2020 (laughs) and the election? Um, This very much, you know, comes out of the debate that continues to swirl around the the 2020 election. Um, The sponsors say, look, we recognize that whether there was fraud or not, there's been a lot of skepticism about how our elections are run. You know, do we actually have the right people voting, meaning people who are, you know, properly registered and no fraudulent registrations? So they put in a couple more uh, provisions, and it will make a difference um, in what it, in voter behavior, both for early voters as well as for those who show up at the polls. Okay, so you mentioned the 2020 election and all the dispute around that. Who is supportive of this? Is this a purely a partisan exercise, or is there are there some interesting uh, bedfellows here? Um, pretty much, it breaks along partisan lines. The way it came out of the legislature was on a strict party vote, with Republicans in support and Democrats opposed. It has the support of the Goldwater Institute, you know, the Free Enterprise Club, which weighed in on a lot of ballot measures this year, and a fair number of Republican lawmakers, you know, went to the extra step to put out statements in support of this. Do all those people supporting it believe that the election was stolen by folks falsely voting with made-up utility bills of others? Um, No, not that we've heard on the record, but they just argue that, you know, look, you've got to show voter ID. You've got to show ID to go, you know, buy a drink, you know, to go to the drugstore and buy certain things at the drugstore. Why, you know, why should we not require that for our sacred ballot? Anything notable about the opposition? Um, yeah, the opposition makes a lot of arguments. They're they're very worried that this will that this will stifle voter participation. Um, the League of Women Voters, which opposes it, has pointed out that you know older drivers who have expired driver's licenses, you can't use that photo ID. Um, you could not use that photo ID if you went to the polls. You'd have to have a current photo ID. Um, there are others who feel that worry that 
people might forget to put that affidavit in the ballot with their mail-in ballot and um, therefore have their vote nullified and maybe not even realize that. Um, so that's why you, this is drawn opposition, mostly from progressive groups and Democrat-leaning groups, the Arizona Education Association, um, a lot of the Latino organi- organizations which have been trying to boost voter turnout. Okay. Well, I'm a little worried about my driver's license photo. That's not especially recent. Does that pass as current or not? Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, one of the arguments is that for the early voters that there's really been no proof of ID, and that's why they want this affidavit. But, you know, for years, Arizona has operated saying that your signature on the uh, ballot envelope is your form of ID. But there's a lot of suspicion that sometimes those signatures uh, is just not a really good way to prove you are who you are, that, that they're subject to forgery. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I'm sure this is helpful to our listeners. I know I'm going to be making notes. Uh, there are more ballot initiatives that are on the ballot as well, and you can read more about that on azcentral.com. But if listeners want to keep up with your work on this, where can they find you on Twitter? I'm at Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L. And I'm at Utility Reporter. Very good. Well, that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. Do you have questions about Arizona's political landscape? Contact us at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word, all spelled out. Or leave us a message at 602-444-0804. And don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Amanda Luberto. You can follow her at Amanda Luberto. That's L-U-B-E-R-T-O. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.